Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. Amen. Hey, you guys can take a seat. That's the cry of our heart. I will follow you anywhere. Listen, what I, what I love about our worship team is, is uh, we, have, we have built this for a long time uh, to where the worship kind of takes on the message and it brings us to a point where we're ready to hear it. And, and what we're experimenting with today is having a little bit more worship on the back end. And one of the reasons that I love that is this. So most of the time during our worship experience, I get way more out of it when I preach than you do. And the reason for that is I know in my head where we're going. I know what the Bible says on all these topics. And so when I hear the words that are being proclaimed through these songs, it's huge and it's powerful and it's wonderful. And you get an opportunity to revisit some of that at the end of the service with God's word on your heart. And I'm excited about where we're going to go with that. So y'all hang with us as we experiment with some stuff. And I think it's going to be powerful. It's going to create an authentic worship experience. And I'm glad that you guys are here to be a part of it. Anybody tired from fireworks last night? Okay, that's right. Yeah, I'm going to need a little bit of response during the service, even though you're tired. Okay, um, but I understand. I've got kids. I got a dog. I understand how it goes. We got a whole nother night of it, so we've got more of this coming. Um, so uh, just just be ready for that. Hey, if you're just jumping in with us, we are in the last two weeks of a series that we're calling "Getting Right." Okay, specifically throughout the series, what we're talking about is getting right with God. We're talking about all the ways that we can know that we have a genuine, sincere, authentic, life-changing relationship with God, with our Creator. Well, today, specifically, we're jumping into the issue of eternal security. What that means is this, whether or not a person who has experienced salvation, who has experienced God's love, can for whatever reason no longer have access to that. You see, can, can somebody who's experienced God's gift of grace return that gift, or in God's economy, are all sales final? In other words, can a person who has been made right with God, for whatever reason, no longer be right with God? Listen, I imagine if we took a poll of this room and we started to look around and ask everybody their opinion on this issue, I imagine it would be pretty divided. I imagine we would have a lot of people that are firmly planted on one side of this issue or the other. You see, there's probably a lot of you that are undecided, and you're probably thinking, I've never given it a thought. I don't understand why it matters for me and my walk with Christ right now, so it's not something I spend time with. But I imagine there's a lot of people who feel differently, who could come up with a verse or two that would definitively prove their position, and many people would even defend their position and claim that anybody who disagreed with them was a heretic or somebody that was doing more damage in the Christian faith than they are doing good. Which is why today I want to frame what we're going to do today with a story about the Chick-fil-A playground. Can I do that? I think it's going to set us up for success here. You see, pre-COVID, I was, I was at Chick-fil-A and, and uh, we, were, we were letting our kids play on the playground. Mike talked about shalom or inner peace a few weeks ago. Um, let me tell you, the definition of shalom for a parent at dinner time is a soundproof barrier between the food and the kids' play area. I mean, it's huge. It's wonderful. So I'm, I'm experiencing shalom and some man decides to interrupt my shalom. 
he comes up to me and he, he says, excuse me, I, is, is that your son? And my son was about three years old at the time. Uh, he just left to go to the bathroom. Uh, but he was about this tall. He's about three years old. And, and I said, yeah, that's my son. He said, your son has been repeatedly, and he emphasized that word just like that, repeatedly picking on my daughter. I was livid. I mean, I was mad. My, my son doesn't do that. We'll fix that right here and right now. So my eyes shoot to the playground. I start looking and I'm, I'm trying to find this little girl that's being picked on. I can't find this little girl. As a matter of fact, I, I can't find any little girl. I see my son. I see some taller people. And so I asked the man, I said, Who, which one is your daughter? And he points to this girl. She's six feet tall with tattoos and a driver's license. Okay, that's a little bit of an embellishment, but she was four times his size. She was 12 years old, and she looked like she could probably handle herself. Now listen, it's never okay for my son to pick on anybody, but, but I want you to understand my attitude changed in that moment. You see, in that moment, the best teacher was not me pulling my son aside and saying, listen, we can't do this. The best teacher in that moment was for that girl to knock my little boy to the ground and teach him a lesson that he would never forget. That's exactly what I told her dad before I sat back down to finish my chicken nuggets and my waffle fries. Here's why I'm telling you that story, because what you choose to fight will determine how you choose to fight. The battle in front of you defines the strategy. That being said, today we're going to fight or we're going to wrestle or we're going to battle with something, but we've got to be very clear about recognizing what it is that we are wrestling with. You see, on first glance, we'll probably run in with guns blazing, ready to, to put the other side down, but on a second more intentional look, we're going to step back and say, I'm not wrestling with other Christians. We are going to wrestle with Scripture and we're gonna wrestle with how we can make it the authority in our lives and live according to what it teaches. You see, in preparation for this message, I watched probably a dozen clips and sermons from other preachers that were teaching and preaching about this specific issue, and I spent some time in the comments. And in the comments, there was vulgar insults about other Christians, and there was even people that were condemning other believers to hell over this issue. Listen, Satan wants nothing more than to turn a discussion like this into something that divides us as believers, but that's not how we do things at Northridge Christian Church. Yeah. See, even if we interpret this issue differently, and some of us are going to, what we're gonna do is we're gonna recognize that there are Jesus-loving, intelligent people on both sides of this disagreement, and we're gonna seek to respect one another and to have a conversation that's gonna lead us closer to Jesus. This is not an essential doctrine to faith. Okay, And so we're going to find unity, we're going to fight for unity, and we're going to pray for unity, even in the midst of this discussion. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you that even in the midst of these hard topics that, that we're talking about through this Core 52 series, through this Getting Right series, Lord, I, I thank you that you are alive and at work and moving to interpret Scripture in our heart and lead us to a place where we can live better. Um, God, I pray that you give us unity. Even in disagreement, God, I pray that you give us unity so that we recognize that the most important thing is Jesus Christ, Him crucified, Him resurrected, and our salvation that comes through Him and Him alone. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
All right, let's unpack some scripture. The first one comes from Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through nine. This is what it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Listen, this is where we're gonna start the conversation today. We cannot and will never be able to earn salvation on our own. You see, we're not gonna obtain salvation because of our works or because of our intellect or because of our effort. Salvation is a gift. It's a free gift that comes from God through faith. Write this down or snap a picture, commit it to memory. Here's the first point. We are saved by grace through faith alone. Let me tell you why this is important because what we could not earn by moral perfection cannot be lost by the lack of moral perfection. What that means is we cannot out God's love. Our salvation is never hanging by a thread. Our salvation is hanging on the unfailing grace of God. And God's love doesn't bend and it doesn't break. Let me quote some scripture to you. Jesus says in John chapter eight, verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. He says this in John chapter 10, verse 28, that no one can snatch you out of his hand. And Paul declares in Romans chapter eight, verses 38 through 39, that nothing can separate us from God's love. Listen, this is, this is such a destructive internal struggle for a lot of Christians. You see, we believe that, that God's love, the grace that came through his, his uh, act on the cross was enough to save us and forgive us of all of our sins when we made a decision to follow him. But a lot of times in our hearts or in our minds, we believe that it wasn't strong enough to carry us all the way to the ends of our lives. We believe that it was strong enough to take care of our sin in that moment, but that our sin still weighs heavy and it might cause us to miss out on his love and salvation. And so what we do is, is we start to look for ways that we can supplement God's love and God's grace with our good actions. And we say, well, if I just do enough good things, if I go to church enough, if I, if I don't cuss, if I, if I abstain from sex outside of marriage, then it will tip the scales of God's love in my favor and I will be loved and accepted by him. But listen, the Bible teaches over and over and over again that salvation is a free gift that fixes the scales in our favor despite the weight of our shortcomings. Let me show you what this looks like, okay, with a picture right here. How many of you like to travel or remember what travel was, okay? It's been quite a while, hasn't it? But when we start to travel again, there's, there's this little thing right here where you have to weigh your checked bag. And I don't know what the limit is on a checked bag, like 50 pounds or something like that. And up to that, it's either free or it's one small fee. But if it goes over that weight, all of a sudden, you have to pay extra. You have to pay again. And so our generation has produced a lot of brilliant people, okay? We've we got Steve Jobs and we've got, you know, all these, all these people that are smart and intelligent. This guy has got to be up there with one of the most intelligent people our generation has ever populated. Because you see what he's doing right here? He's putting his foot on the suitcase and he's lifting up so that behind the scenes he's eliminating the weight so he doesn't have to pay again. Listen, that's what God's love does. It works behind the scenes to fix the scales so we don't have to pay the cost. And get this, it works every single time. Failure does not have the power to disqualify us. Listen, if you're in Christ, you are secure. Are you addicted to pornography? You are still secure. Do you cuss like a sailor? You are still secure. Did you cheat on your taxes? You are still secure. 
Maybe you've done something much worse, but listen, if you are in Christ, you are secure. His love doesn't bend and his love doesn't break. God wants to lead you out of those things, but not so you can earn anything. He's already bought salvation and forgiveness for us by what he did on the cross. And that truth takes the pressure off of our shoulders. Look at somebody next to you and say this, say, I didn't build it. Okay, come on now. You weren't up that late with fireworks, okay? Look at somebody next to you and say, I didn't build it and I can't break it. That's the good news of the gospel, all right? Let's keep going. There's, there's a, this truth about our security and our salvation through Jesus Christ and it's important and it's powerful, but, but there is, however, a whole collection of passages that warn us not to let go of Jesus. You see, they don't refute the fact that our sin is covered, but they declare that our eyes need to be focused on Jesus Christ throughout the entirety of our lives. Let me read you some of these passages. Hebrews chapter three, verses 13 through 14 says, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. In other words, there's a prize for those of us who are not perfect, but who hold on to Jesus and pursue him with our entire lives. Hebrews chapter six, verses four through six says this, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted in the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Listen, those that have experienced God's love but choose to walk away from it are guilty of crucifying Jesus all over again. Even Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verses four through six, remain in me as I also remain in you. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Listen, once we are in Christ, we cannot out his love but we do have the power to reject it. Here's the second truth that I want you to take down. Salvation is always a choice. You see, God doesn't force himself on anybody. We're not prisoners of his love just because of a decision that we've made in the past. Listen, one of the most hotly debated issues in college sports right now is, is the issue of transfers, okay? You've got some important athletic guys that are, are transferring from one college to another so they can get more play time or any number of other reasons. And it's been talked about for years because up until this year, if you transferred from one school to another school, you had to sit out. You lost eligibility for one season before you could play again. But as of April, they've changed that rule. And they've said, listen, if you transfer to another school for whatever reason, you don't need a waiver that says it's okay for you to play and you don't have to sit out for a season. You can transfer and you can still compete. Listen, the Bible makes a clear case for that same freedom. Many people in many churches would stop me right here and they would say this. They would say, if a person who has experienced God's love, if a person has tasted of God's grace, they would never walk away from it. And listen, that's reasonable. That makes sense to me on the surface, but it's not consistent with what I see in scripture or what I see in the world around me. You see, in addition to the verses that we've already read, Galatians 5, 4 says this. It says that some people have fallen away from grace. Listen, you can't fall off a horse that you were never on in the first place. 
Revelation 3 talks about blotting a name out of the Lamb's book of life, not to mention even Satan lived under God's glory, but he still chose to reject it and turn the other way. In our world today, there's a term that's gaining a lot of traction, and it's this word right here, ex-vangelical. Ex-vangelical. It means somebody who was an evangelical. They did follow Jesus, his teaching, his life, what he did. They did follow the Bible, but now they don't anymore. They're an ex-vangelical. One of the most important or popular social media sites in the world right now is TikTok, okay? Most of you probably don't have any experience with TikTok, and that's okay. What you need to know is it's popular, and young people are consuming it left and right. I want you to know that this hashtag right here, exvangelical, as of earlier this week, has over 206 million views. It's the most popular app for young people. And they're consuming this idea of people that are walking away from their faith, that are deconstructing their faith in a public way. They have experience with God's love. They have experience with God's plan. They have experience with God's church, but they're choosing to reject it. Listen, the truth is there is a revolution of people that are walking away from the church. There is a massive exodus of people walking away from their faith. And that is a heartbreaking reality for those of us that want to increase the population of heaven and diminish the population of hell. If we deny it, if we look the other way, if we pretend that it's not happening, we miss out on an opportunity to learn how God can use us to create change and bring people closer to him. Listen, we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute, but here's the application for this point of the message, okay? We can all agree that it is dangerous It is costly and it is heartbreaking to take our eyes off of Jesus. Suffering can cause us to take our eyes off of Jesus. We've all been through seasons like that before. Something hurts us and it causes us to walk away from Jesus or to be angry at Jesus. And listen, we can talk to him about that. He can handle it. But sometimes we let that take root and we get to a point where we deny him completely. Success can do the same thing. We can experience a level of success that causes us to say, I don't need Jesus anymore and we will walk away from him. But we cannot let the circumstances of this world separate us from God's love. Salvation is always a choice. It's not a one-time decision. It is a daily surrender to the one who holds eternity in his hands. Look at the person next to you and say this. Say, today, I'm choosing Jesus. All right, let's try and bring this together. We've looked at one set of scriptures that talks about our security, one set of scriptures that challenges us to remain focused on Jesus. Let's put a package around it, a bow around it, so that it can come together in in an important way. Most people, what they do is they hear one set of scriptures or the other, and they lean into it. And what they do is they simply explain away the other set of scriptures. They throw out half of scripture for the half that they like and the half that they want to embrace And what they'll do is they'll do some clever theological or intellectual gymnastics that causes them to not have to give any attention to those other pieces of scripture. And while their arguments make sense for a single verse or a single passage, it loses weight when you look at the context of scripture as a whole. But listen, the more we dive into this issue, the more we realize that these two separate divided issues are two sides of the same coin. You see, we are secure in our salvation. We cannot out God's love, but we always have a choice whether or not to remain in it. Maybe you agree with that. Maybe you don't. 
I'm not willing to fight with you over it and neither is anybody else on our leadership. Um, It's not an issue. It's not a hill worth dying on for us. Listen, maybe you believe that ex-evangelicals were never Christians in the first place. Maybe you believe that they were and they've walked away from that. Here's something that we can all agree on. We are messengers of God's grace, not arbiters of it. We are messengers of God's grace, not arbiters of it. You see, this debate is frivolous and potentially dangerous because it requires us to judge another person's salvation. But get this, we are not the judge, we are the witness. We are not the arbiter, we are the messenger. An arbiter is somebody who determines a case. They're the one that has the ultimate authority to decide what is right and what is wrong. We don't have that authority over somebody's salvation, but we do have a responsibility to point them to the one who does. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You see, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, all of those who want one, will have one. Every person who wants to live under God's rule, God's reign, God's love, God's grace, they will have it. It's our job to tell people about it, which is why I'm gonna make it my priority in life to tell atheists, to tell agnostics, to tell ex-evangelicals, to tell TikTokers, to tell snail mailers, to tell coworkers, to tell friends and neighbors, to tell all of creation that they are invited to the party and Jesus wants a relationship with them. Listen, as long as they're still breathing, I wanna point them to Jesus. I want you to look at somebody next to you. Specifically, I want you to look at the person you've been ignoring all service long. I want you to say this, I'm a messenger. I'm a messenger. Listen, today's topic, it's complex and it's potentially divisive. You know, we could sit across a coffee table and we could share back and forth all the different ins and outs of this idea. But listen, today's sermon in a sentence is not complex and it's not divisive. Here it is right here. The most important thing we do is choose Jesus and encourage others to do the same. You see, we can't passively choose Jesus and we can't passively share his love with others. This is a decision that is going to cost us something. There's a revolution full of people that are leaving the church, that are leaving Jesus. And I wanna be a part of the revolution that brings them back that listens to their story, that loves them unconditionally and points them to the one who loves them unconditionally. Listen, that's my heart. And that's what we need to agree on as we walk away from this topic of eternal security. Listen, Mike already told you, we're doing things a little bit different at the end of our service today. And what we're trying to do is create a more authentic worship experience where you can respond to the message, you can respond to what you've heard, you can hear it in the songs, you can, you can pray with somebody for a longer period of time than just the 45 seconds that we have to pray with you most of the time. So what we're gonna do is, is we're gonna have people on both sides of the stage over here on the floor, they wanna pray with you. All they wanna do is spend time with you. Maybe you say, I'm, I'm doubting my faith. I'm, I'm an ex-evangelical or I'm wrestling with that issue. And you just need somebody to lift you up in prayer, to not judge you, but to love you unconditionally. We want to do that for you. Maybe you have somebody in your life that has made that decision. They've walked away from their faith and the weight of that is weighing on your heart. And you just want somebody to lift their name up in prayer. We want to be able to do that for you. 
Soon as I pray, I want you to go straight to those stations and pray with somebody there. We also have communion available on all these different stations within the room. There's two in the back, two in the middle, and two on the sides. We're gonna have two songs going. At any point during those songs, you can come forward and take communion. And here's the beauty of communion. It is a declaration of our unity because it keeps us focused on the thing that matters most. You see, I can take communion with somebody who disagrees with me on this issue because what matters more than anything else is that we trust and love Jesus and we have been forgiven by him. So if you wanna give, that's available at those stations as well. We're also gonna have worship going. We want you to feel free to sing your heart out and praise Jesus with everything that you have. But when I say amen, it's time to move. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we trust you in all things. Even when we don't understand it all. God, we don't understand how some people can can cry out your name and then turn and walk away from that. But God, we don't have to understand it. We just, we admit that our hearts break for it. And God, I know that in this room, there's people that are struggling with their faith. There's people that are wrestling right now. People who are doubting their faith, just like I did so many years ago. God, I pray that if they're in that place, that they find help. I pray that they find somebody they can talk to that'll listen that'll let them talk, that'll let them unpack things, that will love them unconditionally and that will point them towards you. God, I thank you so much for the gift of salvation. God, we couldn't get there on our own. So I thank you that Jesus came and provided a path for us. I thank you for that unconditional love that changes our life and makes us right with you again. Lord, I pray that over the next few moments as we sing these songs, God, I pray this room is filled with praise for you because you deserve all the worship, all the glory pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at